1: So Ohio Right to Life's board meets, and they issue a statement on what they call the departure of communications director Lizzie Marbach. It was a firing of Lizzie Marbach, who, uh, in her interview with Jenna Ellis on the Jenna Ellis podcast, said that she was too militant for Ohio Right to Life when it came to abortion. She told Jenna Ellis that she'd call it murder, and they would ask her to call it killing. And I get Ohio Right to Life's dilemma here. You've got people of disparate faiths. You have some things in common as a Christian with Catholics. You have some things in common as a Christian with Jews. Hopefully, although not with this heretic rabbi who wrote the editorial for the Columbus Dispatch, but hopefully most Jewish people are pro-life. Actually, most of them, not, let me say it this way, not enough of them are because a lot of them vote Democrat. And by the way, if you vote Democrat, you're not pro-life. Don't tell me you're personally pro-life. But you vote Democrat. No, if you vote Democrat, you are voting for, and more importantly, will be asked why you were voting for in your conversation at the end of your life about what you did with your life and in your life, you will be asked why you did not use your vote to protect the unborn. I'm absolutely 100% convinced of that. I'll have a lot to answer for. One thing I won't have to answer for is why I didn't do everything I could to protect innocent unborn life. So Ohio Right to Life has these competing faiths. They have to keep them all together. They have to herd the cats and keep the divisions that the different faiths may have when it comes to their religious doctrine from bleeding over into the fight against abortion. So they issue this statement today that they, quote, admire Lizzie's commitment to boldly proclaim her faith. They say Congressman Max Miller who's Jewish and took offense to her original tweet and then apologized, was correct to apologize for criticizing Lizzie's statement of faith. Now, this is where it gets a little dicey in that Max Miller's wife is Emily, the former Emily Moreno, Bernie Moreno's daughter. Bernie joined us and he addressed this. Uh, They say, Ohio Right to Life board member Emily Miller has never encouraged or asked anyone at Ohio Right to Life to take any personal action related to Lizzie. After the public disagreement between Lizzie and Congressman Miller, who, again, is Emily Moreno's husband, Ohio Right to Life says, Emily voluntarily recused herself from board deliberations about Lizzie and today's board meeting. So there we go. Now, the abortion amendment on the Ohio ballot would give us the exact same abortion policy as North Korea. I don't think you ever want to be aligned with Kim Jong-un. So higher right to life has damage to control, they have trouble to mitigate, and how they should have handled this, and I will say up front, it gives me zero pleasure to say it, that it is indicative of a lack of clarity as to the consequences of their actions when they were thinking of an proceeded with the firing of Lizzie Marbach that this will not help them defeat the abortion amendment on the ballot because there will be people who will not donate or not volunteer or not do things because now Lizzie Marbach is out there telling people that Ohio right to life is lukewarm on its efforts to fight abortion. I do not believe Ohio right to life is lukewarm. I believe what Lizzie Marbach perceived as them being lukewarm. And I don't believe she was incorrect to perceive that because she shares the same (laughs) visceral hatred and disgust that I do over abortion. So I understand why she thinks they're lukewarm because they're not as willing to be bold, clear, divisive, in their language, as she is. The Ohio Right to Life people, the management of Ohio Right to Life, no doubt has a bit of a a bigger concern than Lizzie Marbach. As director of comms, Lizzie Marbach saw her job as I'm a soldier on the front lines against abortion. It is possible for the leaders of Ohio Right to Life to also be soldiers in that fight, but to also realize that They can't fight it alone. They need people of different religious faiths to fight with them. And so they can have this visceral hatred of abortion and also try to portray it in a way that doesn't alienate someone who might also join their fight. But here's Lizzie Marbach talking about a tweet she issued prior to the whole Max Miller dust-up. That got her in trouble with the people of Ohio Right to Life, who, as I said, were trying to get as big an army as they could possibly get to fight against this horrible evil.
2: With that being at stake this November, I would think that we would go all in on our messaging and be as bold as possible. And on my personal Twitter account, um, one of the activists who's pushing for this November ballot initiative uh, was saying that, you know, this wouldn't enshrine abortion through nine months. And it's it's a common sense uh, abortion initiative. And I responded back to her calling her a murderous liar because she's advocating for murder and lying about it. (laughs) And my boss did not like that very much. Um, and that became uh, to be a sticking point between the two of us, where we were really just going back and forth on that for a matter of days. Um, and then Monday and Tuesday, we discussed the possibility of us just having to part ways due to our differences in, in comms.
1: So I'm totally aligned with her on her boldness. Okay. I have tweeted before, I think, unless I deleted it because I thought, I'll make more enemies than I do friends with it, that the people who advocate for abortion, I've asked before, do you toast your success with the blood of the children you are murdering? Now you can say, man, that's that's really divisive, Bruce. That's really stark. That's really, I'm uncomfortable with that. Okay, you can be uncomfortable with it. But sometimes you need to be so... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? So um, it's not bold. It's stronger than that. Sometimes you need to be. So it's not outrageous because that's not outrageous to say that you toast yourself with the blood of innocent, unborn children. I mean, I'm a language guy. I should be able to come up with a word, but I can't. Are you writing a word on the the, uh, screen for me, Alan? No, you can't think of the word. Sometimes you need to be so, um, I don't know what the word is. Sometimes you need to speak in capital letters, in neon capital letters, in flashing neon capital letters. Sometimes you need to paint such a, okay, gruesome picture of what abortion is because guess what? It's gruesome. It's gruesome and evil and awful and demented and demonic. It is all of that. And the fight needs people who will say it from time to time. But honestly, this is where I also struggle. We've got Roe versus Wade overturned. And we thought, hallelujah, right? Fifty years we've been praying for Roe versus Wade to be overturned. But now we've got to fight this battle in every state. And the opinions on abortion are so varying in every state that it's hard to get enacted into law and to get defended as law what we have here in Ohio, the six-week heartbeat bill. We had a six-week heartbeat bill. Okay, hallelujah. Roe versus Wade gets overturned. We're going to stop the aborting of children after we know there's a kid in that womb. Fantastic. And then here comes a judge in Cincinnati who stops it in court. And now look at this. Now we've got an amendment on the ballot that we tried to make more difficult to get enshrined into law with issue one, and the messaging on that was terrible, and the people on the left and these heretical pastors and rabbis and priests and other agents of Satan make it impossible to raise the standard to 60%. And I struggle with, should we rule out any politician who says 15 weeks can do a lot of good on one hand, he's not where I want to be on abortion. I struggle with that. I feel like it's an issue of no compromise. But if you don't compromise at all, you end up with a state house full of Democrats. And that's terrible too. So a couple updates of stories that we started the show with. Number one, the press conference at Ohio State today at 2 o'clock is to announce a new president. So they will have a new president of Ohio State today. Um, We'll see who that person is and uh, what their intersectionality boxes are that they check. Because I'm quite sure that they will not replace a lesbian president with a uh, person who does not have any intersectional uh, bona fides, which Ohio State can Put forward to show how uh, incredibly uh, diverse and equitable and inclusive they are. Uh, The other news update is horrific. Uh, The bus crash in Clark County this morning uh, in the northwestern local school district, uh, the one fatality is indeed a student. And from earlier reports, uh, the time of the bus crash suggests that this was a bus on which elementary school children were riding. So the report from 10TV says that one student was killed and more than 20 others were injured after a crash involving uh, this school bus and a minivan. Uh, Around 8.15, the bus was heading west on Troy Road. A minivan was driving east on the road, went left of center. The bus driver attempted to maneuver the bus to avoid being hit head-on. But the two vehicles, nevertheless, made contact. The bus went off the road. There's a picture of it on its side. And the bus contained 52 children and the driver. One student was ejected from the bus and was pronounced dead at the scene. 23 kids taken to the hospital to be treated for injuries. And they say that one student's injuries are considered to be serious. Uh, the driver of the van taken to the hospital, their injuries are not considered to be life-threatening. So the Ohio State Patrol is investigating this, and there is a parent unification center that has been set up for parents to retrieve their children. But that uh, that is the worst possible news we can get of elementary kids on their way to school. I don't know when they started school, but there would still be certainly that excitement that comes with starting school and to contemplate that there was one little kid who got on the bus this morning and will not be coming home tonight is, um, is really, really hard to hear. So our prayers are uh, with the people of Northwestern and uh, everyone over there in that community. Okay, to uh, wrap up the show today, uh, we are in the first, I think, couple months of uh, Jesse Waters taking over for Tucker Carlson. And he's not going to do the same kind of show. As Tucker Carlson, because he doesn't have the same gifts as Tucker Carlson. Jesse is a different kind of a guy. But I've started to take his show in at times, and there's hope for it, because uh, last night they did an investigation. We've all heard that Hunter Biden accompanied Joe Biden on a trip to China on Air Force Two. And then we know that Hunter Biden uh, and the Bidens uh, formed a business relationship with a Chinese company that put... um, well, we know Hunter Biden said in court that he got six hundred and sixty-some thousand dollars from the guy to start the business. Jesse Waters reported last night that it was twenty-five million. Well, Waters and his producers and the other people who put his show together last night said that they've looked over hours and hours and hours of video of Joe Biden's trips abroad as vice president. And guess what? They found that Hunter Biden accompanied Joe Biden on. Air Force Two, a lot more than just on a trip to China. That in fact, they have confirmed with video of Joe Biden arriving at these countries that Hunter Biden accompanied him on more than eight trips abroad, including to Berlin in 2013, to Japan later that year, then to China, South Korea, the Philippines, Italy, where he met with a Burisma executive. You'll see there's all this data out there on Hunter Biden and Burisma from his laptop. And where he met guys. So if he's meeting with Burisma in Italy, and he flew over to Italy on Air Force Two, it's pretty hard to make the statement that these guys are not in business together. Here's Jesse Waters making that point.
2: Jet company. Let's meet-
1: Let me try that one more time, because I had the sound down. Let me try Jesse Waters one more time pretty much proving that Joe and Hunter Biden were in business together.
2: If a guy who runs a jet company lets me fly his jet around the world to meet clients for free and we all share the money, we're in business together. And we know that the Bidens were trying to hide their business from us. Just as Ukraine started paying Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden tried to drop his Secret Service protection. Why would the son of the vice president traveling to foreign nations refused Secret Service protection, with years left on his father's term. Joe Biden must have been made aware that his son was marching through foreign lands without agents protecting him. The Bidens knew what they were doing was wrong. We requested the flight manifests from eight years of Air Force Two, and the Biden White House is refusing to hand them over. So when you're using burner phones, 17 shell companies and dodging taxes, You're kind of announcing you're committing crimes. As we've reported, Joe Biden was also using an alias, not just one. Joe Biden had at least three. Robert Peters, Robin Ware, J.R.B. Ware. Interesting. Why would a sitting vice president have three aliases? And we're not talking about Secret Service codenames. And why is Hunter being CC'd on his father's alias email accounts? Well, because Vice President Joe Biden was emailing his official foreign travel schedule schedules of Biden's calls with the president of Ukraine to Hunter while Hunter sat on the dirty Ukrainian company's board. This is something business partners do.
1: Yeah, it is what business partners do. And they were in business together. And Joe Biden has continually said they were not in business together. In fact, I went through today and I looked up his statements on what he has said about Hunter Biden and himself and their business together. Here are a couple quotes. I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. You've heard that one. Here's another. I've never discussed a single thing with my son about anything having to do with Ukraine. Boy, that one's hard to find wiggle room in. I've never discussed a single thing with my son about anything. Having to do with Ukraine, he sent an email, a copy of an email sent to a Joe Biden pseudonym about his meetings with the Ukrainian oligarch to Hunter Biden. Here's another one. I've never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their business, period. Find the wiggle room in that. I've never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. He was on phone calls with oligarchs and his son. He was at dinner with oligarchs and his son. He played golf with business partners and his son. This guy is a liar, and I believe the Democratic Party, as I see the New York Times, the Washington Post, MSNBC, and others starting to get interested in this story, I think they see it as a way to move Joe Biden off the ticket, which is fine with me, but whoever replaces him will be worse.